I had been somewhat of a sick child and um, had scarlet fever. When I was in eighth grade, I had viral encephalitis. I somehow found myself going to the hospital. So, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to be either a doctor or a nurse. I was a single mother. I just kind of took a leap out there and it worked out. You know, it was really this, this tense time of the cash demands of the business. Avant will be 60 million in revenue this year. We place healthcare professionals in 42 states. And then we have our corporate office here in the Orlando area. Sponsored by How to Start Something, an online entrepreneurship course designed to engage students in an eight-step process to turn their ideas into businesses or social ventures. To learn more, visit howtostartsomething.com. Dear Rockstar, thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Sherry Dingo Constantini. Constantini. Constantini, yeah. You have been newly married a a year now, yes. A year now. So I had to get used to the name too. Right? <laughs> All these new things. Your yes. company is? Avant Healthcare Professionals. Tell us a little bit about the magnitude. How big is it? Um, Avant will be 60 million in revenue this year. Whoa, say that again. 60 million. 60 million. When you look at the percentage of women that even get over a million, it's like really small. A $60 million company. Well, you are a rock star, right? Thank you. Thank and you. how many employees? Where are you guys? So we have um, today about 650 employees. Uh, we place healthcare professionals in 42 states, I believe. We're in 42 states now. And, um, and then we have our corporate office here in the Orlando area. And we have a corporate staff of about 125. Wow. Okay, so where... So how long have you been at this business? I founded the company in 2003 and um, raised all the money throughout the time that I've had the business and have just seen it grow and expand. Now, it's not a straight line oh, uh, by, really? by any means, and there's lots of... Um, pivots in the business and in the business model. Uh, but today, we recruit nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists from over 60 different countries around the world, Wow! Um, help them navigate a very complex uh, recruitment, licensure, immigration process. And then we bring them over here and transition them to healthcare facilities um, throughout the US. So healthcare facilities are your clients? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, how much money have you raised? Um, so, you know, with um, equity and debt, initial investment, I'd say, you know, roughly ten million over the years. Wow. Raising money is its whole animal, right? Yes. I want to get yes. into that. But take us back. How did this start? So um, I started the business. I had been in the industry, so I had been in international recruitment for a while. Okay. Um, I got introduced to it when I was working in uh, Michigan. I was running home health agencies. I had about eight home health agencies that I ran at the time, and we were using foreign trained physical um, therapists and nurses to see our patients in some very remote areas where we couldn't find U.S. Um, staff. Okay. So. So that, is that where you saw the gap? Yeah, that's where I experienced the gap as a provider, not being able to f find healthcare professionals. 
Healthcare shortages are not anything new. We've had them ongoing for many years, and you know, as the demographics in this country change, and we have this large baby boomer population getting older, it feeds demand, but it also feeds the shortage because the workforce is aging. Yeah. And so, you know, there's really multifaceted uh, reasons for the shortage. Yeah. You know, workforce shortages, faculty shortages, um, and then increasing demand. So you were working there, and then what? So I was working there. Um, I moved for personal reasons. I followed my husband to the Boston area. I went to work for the company that had um, provided therapists and nurses to us previously and was in the industry about six and a half years. And, um, you know, the, it was really a couple different things that happened that got me to jump off and start a company. Um, one thing, business-wise, was that I had uh, had the experience of working with Johns Hopkins Health System, and that was just a tremendous health system that really embraces um, projects or efforts like international recruitment as an initiative and did that really well in the organization. Okay. And I thought if I could replicate this, I could make this process so much easier for the healthcare professional. Yeah, everyone and, should be doing right, this. Right, because you know, if you are a nurse manager or a therapy director and you get a foreign trained therapist or nurse, your whole perspective is only somebody working in the US. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of change that and help them understand and appreciate the differences in practice and so that so you, was really you the, saw that model yeah. what else you said there were a couple things well there was that and then there was the fact that I was working for a company that was based in Jacksonville I had um, three children under the age of six yeah and I was traveling around the world to recruit around the US to build the client base and then trying to grow a business and a culture within that division yeah. that I was growing um, from afar. Yeah. And it just wasn't, it, it wasn't really the way I wanted to see the business evolve or personally be taken in so many different directions. So when you jumped, what'd that look like? Um, a leap of faith, <laughs> knowing that, you know, there's, there's always kind of been a, a, a plan for my life. I'm a person mm -hmm. of very strong faith. And um, so I made a decision that was right. I left that job and I, you know, started exploring ways that I could do this on my own. So did you leave the job before you had mm -hmm. it all figured out? Yes. And what allowed you to do that? Um, well, you know, I had, we had saved some money and I was able to take some time because starting the business and really thinking through how would I do this, how would I raise the money, um, would take time. Okay. And not so you didn't have John Hopkins or somebody in your back pocket saying, mm. we're ready to do this mm. as a client. No. Okay. So it took a lot of courage and faith. Yeah. Like just a sense it was the right yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, I felt that it was the right thing for my family, for my children. Um, you know, growing a business where you can't impact the culture, um, where you only kind of drop in because you're traveling so many different places, it just didn't feel right to me. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I just kind of took a leap out there and it, worked out. All these dominoes have fallen, right? And right. then you've had some crises. Right. What was the first domino where it was like, whoa, 
this might work. Right. Well, you know, I, I started talking to people about the opportunity and, and I started, you know, getting very positive reaction from people that, wow, this is something that sounds really great. And, um, and then I met actually through my brother, one of his neighbors was a nurse who had a healthcare staffing business. Um, it was a per diem business, a US-based per diem business, but he actually was from uh, Mozambique. And so when he heard that I was looking to start this business that had this international aspect to it, he thought, that's really intriguing. That sounds like something I'd like to invest in and have a part of. Was he a first investor? Yeah, he was my angel investor. And so... Serendipitous, like, divine things, yeah. right? So he was your first investor. He was already in the market. Mm -hmm. Who mm -hmm. was your first client? Um, well, um, we had three come in together. Um, Johns Hopkins um, agreed to be a client, but wanted to fulfill the obligation that they had for nurses from my previous company. Yeah. Um, and then I signed two new ones almost simultaneously. Wow. Like just as I How had nurses. How long did it take to get those accounts? Well, first of all, international recruitment in you know a perfect case scenario for us now, we execute very well on the process. If we go find a nurse, it takes us 18 months to get that nurse licensed in the U.S., uh, wow. credentialed in the U.S., and the immigration through. Okay. And I was able to find, through my network, a loophole uh, going through the state of North Dakota that you could bring a nurse in on an H-1B. And there was a hospital that I partnered with that was bringing some nurses in. There was a company there. And I was able to get nurses within 10 months of really starting the operation. So you had a value proposition that was a reason these clients wanted to move on. Yeah. Like, okay, not 18, it can be 10. Yeah. The scary part is leaving that right. salary. Right. And then when the money starts coming in, how right. long did that take? Well, you know, that was part of the um, negotiation with the investors is that I would need something to be able to have some level of salary right. in those early days. Um, and so, you know, but, but it also took a lot from me because we got the money in and there were certain tranches of that money. How much did he money. give you at first? What was um, your first amount? So the full amount was $1.5 to start the business. And it came in over time. Um, but it's a very capital-intensive business because you go out and you recruit these nurses and you begin to process them. And when and bring you process them, in. them, are they starting to get paid through the no, process? No, you're don't, just doing right. the work. Your We're team doing, is the, doing work. the work. We're, you know, incurring expenses to get them to take exams, to pay licensure fees. But how to, cool! You raised 1.5 million dollars. It didn't take that yeah, long, right? Yeah, I was. It was pretty quick. I, and it was like okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then you're off to the races. When you look at your journey over, what did you say, three, so 14 years? 14 years. What have, what have been some of the key moments in this business right. that well, had they not gone the way they did, maybe? Right. Well, you know, in the first, um, you know, and these are at smaller revenue numbers, but in the first three years, I think our average annual growth rate was like 275%. 
And so the company was growing, and we were really at a juncture where, you know, we either had to slow the growth down and do what we could afford to fund, you know, internally, um, and and just have that organic growth, or we'd go out and we'd raise professional money. And so we decided that. I decided that we'd go out and we'd raise the professional money. And in doing that, I hired a COO who had raised some money previously. And we kind of went out and did our own little dog and pony around show. Around so. year three? Yeah, around and, three to four. And you raised? We, we raised um, $3 million. And that came in in three tranches. Um, but it was a pretty challenging time. I mean, we, got, we had a lot of interest. Um, you know, now that I'm more experienced and I've worked with professional money, um, you realize what you don't know. And sometimes it's not a bad thing to, you know, not realize what you don't know because I'm like, okay, we're going to go raise this money and, um, and we didn't have a banker advising us and we had a good lawyer, the lawyer that had incorporated the business and continues to sit on our board of directors. Um, and so, anyway, we went out, we raised the money, um, and like I said, it was, you know, it was really this, this tense time of the business growing, the cash demands of the business, and the timing of the deal. And so, at one point, we had gone out to our current bank and the line of credit that we had there, and that both my partner and I at the time, my, my silent uh, partner, we both had guaranteed that. And, um, so and personal, two personal, personal guarantees, guarantees on the two line. Two personal guarantees on the line. We, I had personally maxed out almost all of my personal credit cards for the business. And we needed more money. We hadn't closed the deal. And in, and in these deals, you know, you can raise the money, you get the interest, there's periods of due diligence. So it doesn't happen yeah. overnight. Just because we signed doesn't mean you have the cash. Right. And we hadn't even signed yet. So we knew that we had interest and we were able to get our current bank to look at us to increase the line. And then we looked at another bank and they were looking to give us a new line and entice us to come over to their bank. Well, when our current bank looked at the line of credit, they said, you know, wait a minute, you've capitalized your business with our line of credit rather than just funding cash flow needs, um, working cash flow. So as a result of that, they said, we don't want to give you any more and we're going to call our line. So I had about 30 days to convince And that line was how big? 750000 Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, so I had about 30 days to try to get the other bank to close on a $1.2 million line, line. to repay the $750,000 to give us a little bit of cushion um, because that was in, I believe it was November, and we closed the private equity investment in May. So, so you have gone through that piece yeah. that a lot of us don't successfully navigate or have the opportunity. Looking back on that, what have you learned about raising capital? Like, as you advise people um, now. So, raise it before you need it. <laughs> um, you know, always be talking to people. If you think you're going to grow a business to a certain size and you want to have professional investment, you know, create, create a network. And be thinking about the value proposition for them and how you grow your business that makes it attractive for investment. 
um, because you know they need a return on their money, and uh, so you need to think about that in terms of positioning. But you know, raising money—it's interesting. We don't want to do that as entrepreneurs until we absolutely have to. But then we get our, you know, our back in the corner. So you know, balancing that, and um, and don't be afraid to do it. You know, don't be afraid to think big and and go out there and get partners. I think, you know, one thing I hear um, is that people don't want to give up control, and they don't want any equity. Right. They don't want to have a smaller, right. smaller piece of. Well, and control, because you know, we were a managed member. Um, Limited Liability Corporation um, before the investment, and then the pro, you know professional money, and then we became a board of directors, managed organization, and so you know you have a board, you have people that you have to report to, and you have a lot more metrics and accountability, um, but you know you you can't be afraid of that because we wouldn't be here today if I hadn't raised that money. Um, it allowed us to have money when we had to move our business model from all nurses in hospitals because there were two factors going on out in the environment. One was that um, because of some things that had happened in the immigration service and backlogs of visa petitions, our visas backlogged, so we couldn't bring in the nurses. And simultaneously with that, the market here had changed because of the Great Recession. So we had about 120,000 nurses over the age of 50 come back into the workforce. And so if we hadn't had to pivot the business and think about it from an immigration perspective, the, the um, economic downturn would have forced us to pivot the business. But in either case, we had to transition the business and having that private equity partner helped have somebody that had the investment, the money, the commitment to, you know, give us that final tranche of money to reposition into physical therapy, occupational therapy, and then develop and build a new client market for them. So what was the next major thing that happened in your journey? Like you raise this capital, you the pivoting of the business, and yeah. then do you have a lot of regulation? and? Yeah, so the next one is we were really starting to grow. So we started to grow again. Um, we pivoted the business in 2008, 2009, we grew by about 25%. 2010, we grew by 130%. Wow. And so Just we. crazy. Yeah. We and were, it's people intense, yeah. right? You have a Yeah. Lot. It's people intensive, it's a very complex process. And um, so as we were pivoting the business, we were seeing a lot of success from it. All of a sudden, there was a testing suspension for physical therapists from certain countries. And so um, as a result of that, we had to jump out and, uh, and deal with that as, as an association, not just my company alone. Right, like this affects everybody. Right, right. So we had, in, in 2007, as a result of some of the visa issues that I mentioned earlier that had really pushed us to move out of nursing, we had come together as an industry, and Avant was one of the founders of a trade association, the American Association of International Healthcare Recruitment. Wow. So. So by becoming a catalyst in, in, the, in impacting the whole industry. Mm -hmm. 
You talked earlier about wanting to go to entrepreneurship as a mom. What's the reality been like? Because you've built a huge, big company. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been um, challenging because until you know, I met my husband in 2014 and we started dating, I was a single mother from 2005 until 2014. Yeah. You know, I now in hindsight, I feel like what I gave to my children, and I thought about this then as well, was quality time because I didn't have quantity to give them. Um, but, you know, as they've gotten older and they've talked more about um, my place in their life, my impact in their life, especially for my daughter who's at college and writing her college essays and talking about, you know, what it was like to come from a house where you had a single mother um, that was leading, growing a business, um, how, what that instilled in her, you yeah. know, a sense of um, confidence that... Like it's really possible. Yeah, that if, if my mom puts her mind to something, she, she does it. And so that gives me the confidence yeah. that if I put my mind to something, I can accomplish it. That's been modeled for me. Yeah, I saw that um, little uh, picture of the little girl in the superwoman cape, and she's with Gadot, you know, that superwoman lady. Yeah. And it says, if you can't see it, how can you be it? And sometimes, like, sometimes we look around and we don't see the model of what we would like to be. What, when you look right now and you, like, back at yourself, what would your advice to your younger entrepreneurial self be? Culture, core values, alignment can never be underestimated. And tell us about that a little bit. Like, yeah. so, so the culture piece I got. I knew that it was important to, you know, have, an, have a culture, a cohesive culture, have people kind of rallied around a mission. Mm -hmm. And so when I started the business, I was focused on that. And that culture really, it grew over time. And our mission at Avant is to change lives. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we do that in a very profound way because we help people from overseas realize their American dream. They send money home. They help change those lives back at home. They change their lives, their children's lives. I mean, it's just amazing, right. the reach. Right. Um, so, so having that mission and the culture around that is really important, but also having core values is important because core values kind of guide and direct us in our daily decision making. At least they do at Avant. Right. And so, you know, we really try to bring those alive. Yeah. And filter the decisions of leadership of are we moving closer to them? And your core values are what? Our core values are um, teamwork, sense of urgency, uh, adaptability, um, uh, commitment, integrity, and um, uh, the most important one, in my opinion, is continuous improvement. Because I feel that it really defines us and it gives us a bit of a com uh, competitive advantage. That we're always you're innovating, always, we're always Yeah, growing. you're always looking for opportunities to improve what we're doing and we're in the people business. So we learn from them as we go. And we are always aspiring to get better at what we do. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us a really great organization. Yeah. So. Were you always capable of handling a lot of stress? Um, 
You know, I read this book called The Power of Full Engagement, and that was a really important book for me. I actually uh, did it as a company read back in 2006. So I got the whole company reading that. We were much smaller then. Right. And, um, and what that book talks about is to really be fully engaged, you have to manage energy. You can, you're not going to get any more time in life. So it's more about managing our energy, our, our physical energy, our emotional energy, our mental energy, and our spiritual energy. And, um, you know, as I look back on that book now, there's um, a quote in that book that talks about moving things from, from more of a practice to a habit. And, you know, if I think about reading that book in 2006, uh, now 11 years later in 2017, it's a part of my practice. You know, we encourage... What does that look like? So what that looks like is, um, you know, I have a very healthy lifestyle. Because if I don't take care of me, who's going to lead the business? Who's going to take care of the children? Yeah. And so I work out probably four to five days a week. I watch what I eat because I think that that's part of how we balance our energy is, yeah. you know, food, exercise, um, taking breaks throughout the day, encouraging a workforce to be committed to a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And um, Ariana Huffington. <laughs> like yeah. sleep. Like, yeah. But I think it's just like this holistic life. Like it's not just what you do at work and being productive. It's like you're a life force. Yeah. yeah. So you practice what you pre like you've started to say how do i how am i good steward of my energy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i try to model that for for my children for our employees you know it, we we encourage our employees to get gym memberships which we pay for um, we offer yoga classes once a week at the office um, we try to create a um, living space for our employees where they can have the foods they want and you know be able to cook and make them and and even just encouraging people to go out and walk during the day because how long can you sit in front of a computer well right and yeah. all the innovation and creativity research is coming down and showing like what 45 minute sprints with 15 minutes off and we have had such weird attitudes about what productive is mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. with all the distractions yeah so when you look at like your whole life journey, what are those things that you think have had a huge impact on the woman you are today, but also the successful entrepreneur you are? Well, I think one of the things that happened ver very young for me was when I was in eighth grade, I had viral encephalitis. And so as a result of that, I had lost a lot of my motor coordination. So I was slurring my speech, I couldn't walk very well, I couldn't write very well. And when we figured out that I had viral encephalitis, it was a, a long recovery process. And so that really... Years. Years. Probably, At that yeah. critical place. Yeah. Like where being cool and appearance all that. Right. Well, I know there's some people that look back on high school in a fond way. I don't. Yeah. Um, I spent probably the first two years getting over the physical aspects of the illness and probably the full four years just to get back where I was academically and emotionally and mentally. Um, but, you know, I, I had been somewhat of a sick child and um, had scarlet fever 
had had a couple bones and broken, things like that. I somehow found myself going to the hospital or being ill. And um, so, you know, there was a part of me that healthcare, I wanted to be either a doctor or a nurse. Wow. I knew, you know, that's what I wanted to be. Because so. they had helped you a lot. It's so interesting. It's like that, I don't know, they, that Buddhist story where, and it's in every faith, I think it's like we make a decision. Oh, the horse broke his leg. That's terrible. But then, you know, something else happens. Oh, that's terrible. Right. But this idea that those early experiences actually led you to your path. Yeah. And maybe even equipped you to be better at it because you were so empathetic from the patient standpoint. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's right. I think that's true. I think that um, in the course of my career, uh, being, being a healthcare professional and a businesswoman has suited me well. I mean, first of all, I had a draw into that, into that area. I mean, I do feel that I was called somehow to go into healthcare. Um, I've always had a lot of empathy, and it really laid the foundation for, you know, where my business is today. Um, a couple months ago, um, I had been asked to have three words that described me as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, and I asked um, my executive team, and my CFO said to me, he goes, I would say compassion. And you don't always hear compassion with what makes you successful as an entrepreneur. And Why so, do you think that is key to an entrepreneur's success? I think it's important to, to be compassionate about people, mm -hmm. to really care about people. Um, the, the, the people that are out on assignment for us, the healthcare professionals, the employees. I mean, I truly, earnestly care about people. Mm. And uh, I care about giving them great employment experiences because we spend so much time at work. If we don't love what we do, you know, that's a, not a fun equation for life. Um, so I think it's important to be um, compassionate. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of junctures in the road as an entrepreneur. You're going to come to, you know, a fork in the road and you need to make a decision. And I think that if caring about people is fundamental to you, it helps guide that decision making. And I think that's important. Yeah. So when you look at, because you've spent a lot of time around women and women entrepreneur, and um, what do you think are some of the things we need to do differently? Well, I think, you know, we need to embrace that female side of us, but I also think that we need to embrace all of, you know, business. And sometimes I hear about women that want to stay within just a female network. Oh, and, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, I grew up with four brothers, and I think that prepared me for life that often feels like, you know, you're still in very much a men's world, although I've seen it change a lot over the, my career. Um, so I'm not afraid to, you know, think big, um, go in and be the only woman in the room, and, you know, not be intimidated by that, but embrace that. And, um, you know, I think that that's important for people to remember. You know, think big, don't be afraid. Um, when I was graduated from nursing school and I had a couple opportunities to work. Okay, so you became a nurse. Yes, I'm a nurse. So I went to nursing school. 
I got my bachelor's. When I graduated, some of my peers would joke with me and say, you know, ask Sherry what she's going to do in five years. She's got the plan. And my plan was to get my MBA and to be in business. And when you know, did that, where, when did that seed? Well, I knew I wanted to be a nurse, but I wasn't quite sure, a nurse or a doctor, I wasn't quite sure which one. I felt like a doctor would be a lot of school that I wasn't quite sold that I wanted to do. But nursing gave me a path into the healthcare profession that I wanted to be in. And I really liked the business aspect. I thought I liked the business aspect. Of course, when you're 18 years old, what do you really know? I don't but... know. There's some <laughs> intuition that I think is yeah. inborn. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. And, um, you know, I, so I wanted to go into the business side of healthcare. And within about six years, I had my MBA. And I remember it. So you did have a plan. Yes, I did have a plan, and I executed on the plan. Um, but I remember sitting in front of um, one of my mentors. And he was a regional administrator for a home care company. And I was being hired to run a home care company, a very large home care company, with, um, I would say, probably close to 80 employees. And of those 80 employees, I would have been one of the youngest if not the youngest. I mean, yeah. there could have been a couple home health aides that were younger than me, but there certainly weren't any nurses, none of my managers. And he looked at me and he said, you know, can you do it? And I said, yes, I can do the job, and I can do anything I put my mind to. And he kind of joked with me and said, well, could you be a brain surgeon? And I said, I think I could have been, but that was not my calling, and that's not what I wanted to do. So and it was he's like, yes. So... <laughs> I want the brain surgeon, could be, would yeah, be, yeah. working for me. Yeah. And so it was that kind of, you know... Um, self-confidence. Yeah, self-confidence, feeling like, you know, if I worked hard, I could, I could push through things. I could push through that viral encephalitis. I could push through some challenging times personally. And, you know, I still... Life is full of challenges. Have you ever day. had to give up on something? Well, I would probably say being married to my daughter's father. I had to give up on that. Um, he was more committed to alcohol and his addiction than being in a relationship with me. And that happened about halfway through our 15-year marriage. And so I wouldn't say, I mean, I, well, in some ways I gave up something on it. Something you had to I quit. Had to move, I had to quit that. I had to quit that as hard as it was going to be to be a single mother and, you know, be And it sounds like your values. It was right. kind of like the opposite of your values. Right. Work hard, you can solve anything, and you had said you had a strong faith. Yes. How did you navigate that? Uh, well, I have a tremendous extended family um, that was very supportive. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a process, and it's hard to be a woman that takes it on and you know, ends a relationship, runs a business, grows a business, raises girls, and, you know, none of that is easy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why it's so important to uh, take care of yourself. It goes back to what you said about that book. It kind of makes me think of the impact that book had on you. Mm-hmm. Was it full engagement? Yeah, powerful engagement. The idea that you can't do anything well if you're not healthy, and one of the places we're called to be healthy in is our relationships. Yeah. And there was also a calling in that and being physically active for my children 
to model that when you have stress in your life, so many, you know, let's look at our whole society and the how we medicate. Are. We can numb. We can numb. We can medicate. And so for me, it was important to model a different path of, you know, being physically fit. I mean, my kids knew I would go to yoga. I, that was a big part of my uh, routine. And I would tell them, this is how I handle stress. I've had a hard day. I need to go and work out. I need, I need to get to on do my this. I need, Yeah. Yeah, and it's important. And, um, and like I said, I've, I feel like I've carried that through the workplace as well. Yeah. So do you have a favorite book you give to people? Um, you know, I think that some of the books have changed over time. Um, there's The Powerful Engagement, which I still think is a great book. The other book that I recommend to people is a book that I read in the late 80s called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm, I remember that book. Yeah, and it's had a couple iterations, but um, you know, I think that's important. I think that there's, there's no one out there that's not afraid, yeah. but it's how we deal with the fear and how we embrace it and how we move on. Incredible. So as we get ready to wrap up, anything else you'd like to say? Um, you know, I, what I'd like to also say is that, you know, for, for all I've done in life and the challenges that I've had, I feel like I have been blessed beyond belief. Mm. You know, that working at Avant, working with the people that I work with is as much of a gift to me as I hope Avant has brought to other people. And uh, it's, it's truly been an honor. Mm. It's an honor to be doing what I'm doing every day. And I love waking up every day. Yeah, and so if you're that way, then the reflection has come back at you. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Yeah. And that's the kind of culture that I think if we've, sometimes the entrepreneurial journey or um, starting a business gets so focused on the founder or what their goal or vision is, but unless there's this kind of like compassionate, this desire to serve, that's really the foundation of value creation and your your value proposition. Mm. But we don't talk about it enough because it seems kind of soft. But right. it actually is your competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get really high by whatever, however you're serving, contributing, or adding value to all these stakeholders' lives, you're never going to succeed in the marketplace. But it's the soft skill part of it that's kind of ignored in the business or when we talk about it. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's, you know, in terms of measuring um, companies and success, it's usually metric driven and not the softer side. Um, but to me, it's, it's the softer side. It's the ability to change lives. It's the ability to, you know, give people opportunity and, and to help them enjoy that opportunity. Well, I just saw a study, I was just mentioning this, I was speaking on self-awareness and that we do a terrible job. I had all these educators and we were talking about how many of us are doing things on internal self-awareness. We're doing some on external self-awareness for as people go through education. That means my, understanding my impact on you, that group work, but the internal self-awareness. But the research now is that companies that have higher ROR have employees with higher self-awareness. 
but it's kind of been left off the whole, you know, like, how do you, how do you teach that? Or how you mm -hmm. even create this thing where I know who I am, I know where I should be, I have this kind of thing where I'll always learn and develop and grow myself, I know my weaknesses, I know my strengths. That, I mean, in my mind, I just feel like your leadership and your self-awareness, right? And then you've just created this really nurturing, healthy thing that, of course, everyone's going to want to work with you. Watch out competitors, right? Well, I hope so. I hope they see that. Yeah. So what, when you look ahead, are you excited about? Um, well, I'm excited about continuing to grow the business. I mean, I think we've got a lot of opportunity, and I think I've also built a team that we're ready to take on maybe some new areas, some new niches. Um, and so that's pretty exciting to say, okay, we're, we're really good at what we're doing, and hopefully we're always getting a little bit better, but are there some new areas that we can change and, and create a new niche or a new value proposition for the client or the employees um, and do something unique within healthcare. So staying but, true to your continuous improvement yes, value. Yes. Oh, what a blessing, man. I just feel the leadership love here. <laughs> thank you for sharing well, your story. You. Where do we find you online or yeah. how do we connect with you? So you can um, find me through LinkedIn, Sherry Dingle Costantini. Uh, you can find me through Avant's website at www.avanthealthcare.com. Okay. Awesome. We will do that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sponsored by How to Start Something, an online entrepreneurship course designed to engage students in an eight-step process to turn their ideas into businesses or social ventures. To learn more, visit howtostartsomething.com. Location and accommodations provided by the Gallery at Mills Park.